0: Everybody hope all are doing well as we get set for can't wait seven weeks away for the beginning of this 2017 college football season. And, of course, we're going to have you right up to speed. We greatly appreciate all of you joining us here on Strong as Steel. We started our previews uh, yesterday, started with the SEC West. Today we'll uh, finish up the conference with the SEC East. I'm Michael Regei, as always, joined by the top guru, the number one information man in all of college football as we say hi to phil Steele. phil off and rolling had the sec west we did that yesterday now we've got to go to the eastern half of the division uh the conference i know you're ready to roll and uh, as we look at things as we start uh, right off the top in the sec east uh the florida gators we'll start there uh, jim McElwain, the head coach has had a couple of uh Uh, Strong seasons, two consecutive SEC title games, did that by winning the East. Had a real quarterback carousel last year, Phil, in 2016. So is Malik Zaire, the Notre Dame transfer, going to be the guy that takes the first snap against Jim Harbaugh in Michigan uh, in Jerry's World uh, coming up in in the early part of September?
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to point out to all our listeners here listening to the SEC podcast is, probably one of the few podcasts that doesn't say sec conference because then you'd actually be saying southeastern conference (laughs) conference so it's one of my pet peeves so i I just wanted to throw that out there yeah so if you go through the two days of podcasts we will mention sec probably 70 times not once will we say sec conference rather than pointing that out but let's talk florida and i don't want to give out specifics of the magazine necessarily but i almost have to when i'm talking about florida uh, you know, I'm not going to give you the entire magazine away on these podcasts. You should go out and get it—352 pages loaded with info. But each year, we have surprise teams in the magazine. A surprise team is a non-top 10 team that I think can contend for a title. Give you an example: last year's number one surprise team was the Washington Huskies. They were coming mm-hmm. off a seven and six season. A lot of folks said, "How the heck can you take a team off a seven and six season that's been horrific the last three years and call them a national title contender?" They were in the playoffs last year. Well, Florida's going to be one of those surprise teams this year. And and here's what I like about the Florida Gators. Now, you talked about the, the quarterbacks the last two years, Michael, and it hasn't been by choice that mcelwain has been using that quarterback rotation. Uh, two years ago, they opened up with Greer at QB, and they averaged 32 points per game their first five games. They were flying – Then Greer got injured, and with backup quarterbacks, they averaged 16 points per game down the stretch. They became a solid, above-average offense and went to a average to below-average offense. Last year, once again, out of the box, Luke Del Rio starting QB. They're averaging about 40 points per game out of the box. Then Del Rio gets injured. Now, he did return to the lineup, but when he returned, he wasn't 100%. And all of a sudden, that production dropped off again. They only averaged 23.9 points per game on the season. And I'd say over the last 10 games, that was under 20 points per game after the great start they've had. So quarterback injuries, yet in both years, McIlwain guided this team to the SEC title game. So you got to hand it to them. Not too many teams can overcome the loss of their starting quarterback, have a below-average offense, and yet still make the title game each year. Now, defensively, they lose some key players from last year. But let's keep in mind, guys like Alex Anzalone only started eight games last year due to injury. Uh, Brantley up front, uh, defensive tackle, started 11. Jared Davis started 9 at linebacker. They were a beat-up defense, especially down the stretch. That forced a lot of newcomers into the lineup. A guy like Jabari Zaniga, who my friend Marcus Spears is very high on this year. Zaniga played as a frosh, had himself five sacks, and now is back as a soft. So they're more experienced than the five returning starters on D would indicate. and I think there's good talent throughout this defense. It'll be your typical gator defense which means top twenty Top ten potential offensively is where I think you'll see the biggest improvement. Uh, this team has had, I'm going to say, below average skill players recently, and uh, now the offense looks to have those skill players. The running backs are Jordan Scarlett, Mark Thompson, Lamichael P. Ryan. Then you look at the secondary or the receivers, I should say, Antonio Callaway, Brandon Powell. They've got a solid tight end and Goolsby and Lewis. Uh, it's a loaded set of receivers, probably the best set of receivers they've had in five to ten years. The offensive line's a veteran group. Martez Ivey back at left tackle. Uh, good experience throughout. And then special teams. Florida actually comes in with my number three rated special teams in the country this year. They had kicker problems, so they went out and figured that out last year with Eddie Panario coming in. Johnny Townsend's one of the best punters in the country. They've got dangerous return men. This is a complete team in Florida, and they finally will have an above-average offense. In fact, in the schedule. You know, in, the, in yesterday's podcast... I talked about LSU getting that home game. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, they're all still up here. You can go listen to it right now, get our complete breakdown on the SEC West. Just head over there and, uh, and check out yesterday's podcast. But uh, Florida had to move their home game to LSU. And because of that, they get that game at home this year. So let's look at Florida's true road games. They have three of them this season, and that's nice for any team. Their three road games are against Kentucky, Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina. Now, I'm going to put all those in the winnable category. That means the sure. toughest opponents have to travel and play in the swamp. They play Michigan out of the box. When they play Michigan, the Wolverines have a grand total of five returning starters this year, four on offense, one on defense. When do you want to play an inexperienced team, Michael?
0: Right there in that opener, if you can. This is uh, Phil's Ohio State theory from 2016, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they play them right. They play them right out of the box and get them, uh, you know, in Arlington. I think that's a, a nice situation to have. And then later in the year, they play Georgia at a neutral site, and they've beaten Georgia the last three years. So this is a Florida team, I think, is going to be. Very dangerous this season. They are one of my surprise teams. I'll let that out of the box right now, and you can check out the magazine to find out all the rest of the surprise teams, which have done extremely well. You know, I was just at, we, when I went to the uh, the uh, football game the other day, the Gladiators game, Michael.
0: Yeah, Arena Football a, League.
1: Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with Coach Jim Tressel, who was there as well, ah. and uh, we were we were talking about that 2002 season when they won the mm-hmm. national title out of the blue. Yes. And I pointed out to him that that was my first number one surprise team that I put out in the magazine was back in 2002. And he said, wow, because he knew coming into the season they weren't even on the radar of anybody, and yet they won the national title that year. So the surprise team started in that 2002 season, have done extremely well since then. Mm -hmm. And Florida's that surprise team this year. And the the South Point in Vegas right now, Michael, has the over-under win total on Florida at 8
0: yeah, I'm going over that. I'm going <laughs> over that. I mean, you're you're know, they're only they're only going to leave the confine. Well, as you said, the Michigan uh, opener is in Arlington, Texas. But you know, if they don't win those three SEC games at Kentucky and at Missouri and at South Carolina, Phil, I think we got uh, quite a story. But I I believe they will, so I'm going over that. Yeah, and
1: interest interestingly Michael uh as you know I'm I'm now with ESPN and and I'm, yes, I'm, you are. I write articles for ESPN Insider and uh, I just wanted to point out that ESPN Insider you can get a 1 year membership for just $3.33 a month. Now, you can't beat that. And one of the articles I have up there right now are my season win totals, and that is for each one. Now, the last two years I've gone on ESPN Insider and put up my season win totals, and I put eight each year. The first year, LSU didn't play the allotted games. One of the games Mm -hmm. got canceled, so it didn't count. We had five and two is the record. Five were correct and two were wrong. Last year, once again, five, two and one. The tie was Arizona State, which I had over five. They opened up the season five and one, ended up losing their last six games and getting a push. But I've got those, that article up there right now on ESPN Insider. I'll give away that one of them is Florida, just like I gave away their surprise (laughs) team. But to find out the other seven, head over to ESPN Insider and check out that article today.
0: We will all do that uh, right away. And if you can duplicate your Washington Huskies call of a year ago, man, you're going you're to be getting all kinds of accolades, Phil, as this year plays on. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for you that you can duplicate Washington from 2016.
1: That sounds good. And it's happened yeah. every year. You know, we, the year Florida State won the national title a couple of years back. They weren't right. in the top ten in the preseason. They were my number one surprise team. They won a national title. So yep. pretty good track record with them.
0: Real good track record. We have a good track record with you, hopefully. Let everybody know about it. Make sure every week throughout the college football season, we're doing for seven weeks of previews for you. You've got to be with us here on Strong as Steel. We've gained so much momentum. We thank each and every one of you we greatly appreciate all of you that uh, that listen in each and every week you get the best information uh, analysis and breakdowns in college football phil let's move on we'll go from um, from florida to the state of Georgia, where Kirby Smart in his first year on the job as head coach uh, in Athens of those Georgia Bulldogs fashioned an eight and five mark last year. Phil, I, you, you and I discussed, uh, you know, if you're talking about a duo of running backs, I don't know if you, if healthy, you're going to get much better than Nick Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle. They form as solid a combo as we have in the nation. But that being said, uh, only average 25 points per game a year ago in Smart's first year. That was down to 21 a game in the SEC. What kind of jump do you see in year two for Kirby Smart's group in Athens, Georgia?
1: Well, this team is better on both sides of the ball. I think Georgia will be the preseason favorite by the media to win the SEC East this year. They have 17 returning starters. You you look at a quarterback like Jacob Eason. Now, I had projected Jacob Eason as a starting quarterback last year. And frankly, I expected big things out of him. He's a true freshman. He's my number one-rated quarterback out of high school. He's 6'5", 235, could throw the football a mile. And uh, Eason had a, a year below my expectations, uh, 55% sixteen eight ratio and uh I think he'll be improved. He he was being pushed by Jake Fromm in the spring. But when you got a backfield like Chubb and Michelle you're in pretty good shape there. Now the receiving core are rate number twenty one in the country. They've got uh, Godwin back, they've got Mauda back at tight Not at back at tight end. So they're solid there. The offensive line underachieved last year. Once again, I had Georgia rated as one of the top offensive lines in the country coming in the year. With those running backs, I expected huge production. They did average four point seven yards per carry, but that was actually their weakest total in three years. I think they get back to being better, and they also allowed twenty-four sacks last year, which was their highest total in three years. I think this is more of the uh, Georgia offensive line we expected, except they only have two starters back on the offensive line, so still a little bit of a question mark there. Defensively, there should be. No No question, 10 starters back. You got a defensive mind like Kirby Smart calling uh, as the head coach. Uh, You got a solid defense quarter and Mel Tucker is in his first year there and good talent throughout. In fact, they've got my number 11 rated D line, number 11 set of linebackers, number 16 DBs. Question mark would be special teams. Does not rank in my top units. Uh, Was sort of a below average unit last year. Uh, Should make a climb this season. And then the second question I have with Georgia is the schedule. Uh, when you look at Georgia's schedule, remember we talked about Florida's road games this year, are Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina. Well, Georgia's road games this year are Notre Dame, Tennessee, Florida, and Jacksonville, Auburn, Georgia Tech, and Vanderbilt, a team that's actually given mm-hmm. them a little bit of a trouble. Remember last year, Vanderbilt upset them. So their yep. road slate is a lot more treacherous this year. I understand why the media will pick Georgia first in the East, but I did not pick Georgia first in the East. But I do think they're a very talented team, both sides of the ball. I think they're stronger on both offense and defense. They can only be improved on special teams that were struggling last year. But that's quite a schedule they face this season.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, I believe, did I see nine correctly fill out of the, uh, the star point in Vegas as the Georgia over under for this year, the win total?
1: Yes, the South Point in Vegas has a uh, win total for Georgia at
0: nine and Florida mm. at eight. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Well, Florida I'm going over, as we discussed, uh, out of the SEC East. But, boy, I don't know. I, Phil, I've got this eight and four stuck in my mind for Kirby Smart in year two. What about you?
1: That's pretty much where I've got the, the team pegged for the year. Now, naturally, they could overachieve expectations. They could very well win yep. the East. That Florida game's going to be huge. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, under. I, I think eight would be my total on that team.
0: Yeah, November. I mean, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, and then at Georgia Tech in the rivalry game in Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, th- these are one of the ones I star, Phil, and say, you know, every week got to really go in depth with because, you know, as you laid out, uh, if Jacob Eason makes that kind of jump, and I- I'm like you, I, I just. F- absolutely love the kid coming in as probably wasn't he uh, uh phil Steele, uh your ps number one quarterback uh, a year ago coming in
1: yeah ps number one qb and uh yeah, you know so. another another tricky game for georgia this year michael is that app state game in the opener remember last year App oh, State yeah. took tennessee to the wire probably should have beat, beat them, tennessee had them beat. last year had him beat. look you look at App State this year, they've got a quarterback in Taylor Lamb that's been there for, I think it's his 13th year, 14th year. He's been there forever <laughs> at App State. Uh, they've got, they've got a running back back in Jalen Moore, the, a loaded team, top to bottom. I mean, they've got 14 returning starters. Sure. Coach Satterfield is doing a tremendous job. You take App State lightly with that Notre Dame game on deck, and they can mm-hmm. pull a game like they did last year when they played Tennessee, and Tennessee had Virginia Tech on deck. Remember that?
0: I do, I do. And uh you know, you're you're right on point as usual with that because uh, they better have it all Georgia better have it all strapped up and locked in when uh, App State comes to town on September the 2nd. All right, that's the story we started in Gainesville with the Florida Gators and uh now uh, we took a look at Kirby Smart and his Georgia Bulldogs. We're going through the SEC East. We did the SEC West yesterday. You can go listen to it again. Uh, please make sure you go back if you missed it and get the SEC West from yesterday. SEC East today right here on Strong is Steel. A lot more to come. Let's, uh, Phil Steele, swing into the state of Kentucky as we move along here in the SEC East. Mark Stoops is making strides. I think we both agree on that. Uh, Stoops, um, uh, seven-game winner in uh, 2016, first bowl for the uh, Kentucky Wildcats in uh, the last uh, seven years. And so Stoops is uh, looking forward to 2017. Uh, Do you see the continuance, Phil, of the improvement of this squad where Stoops uh, has it now and and may continue to have it as a legitimate seven, eight-plus win team, bowl team going forward?
1: Uh, You know, I think if this year was a seven-win season, Kentucky fans would be disappointed. They right now are thinking this is the year we step up and actually contend for the SEC East, and that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Remember in the old Rich Brooks era, got them to a bowl game every year. What they would do is they'd win the four or five games they were favored in, pull an upset or two, get to that six, seven-win level, play in bowls, and it was highly productive and much better. Than what they had the previous uh, five years, where they had five straight losing seasons coming into last year, but last year's got this team playing with a lot of confidence. They've got uh, they won seven games during the regular season. They've got 17 returning starters coming back. Steven Johnson took over as that starting quarterback. He's going to have to fend off Drew Parker or Drew Barker, who got injured early last year. They've got one of the most electrifying running backs in the SEC and Barry Snell. You look at the receiving core, they've got uh, good talent there with uh, Dorian Baker, tight end C.J. Conrad, the offensive line is a veteran group, so overall Kentucky's offense hopes to build on that, rising from 24.7 to 30 points per game. In fact, my computer projects them to get 32.7 points per game this year and 427 yards per game, and that would be the best of the stoops here, and it's actually one of my favorite parts of the magazine is the computer projected stats, which on page 43, it's amazing at the end of the year to look what these projections do and how they are at the end of the year uh, amazingly close. Defensively, though, nine starters back. They only lose 12 lettermen on this team overall, uh, four lettermen off defense. Denzel Ware at the Jack linebacker spot is going to be a premier pass rusher. Uh, And then Jordan Jones, one of the best linebackers in the SEC. Derek Beatty, they've got two cornerbacks, Michael, and six-foot – uh, three, Derek Beatty, six foot four, Chris Westry, uh, some of the best sized cornerbacks in college football. Now, they have not beaten Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee in each of the last five years, and that's the hump they have to get over this year. Uh, they get Florida at home September 23rd. I think a win there. and All of a sudden, Kentucky's a contender in the East. They get Tennessee at home. They do have to play Georgia on the road. Uh, schedule's got some toss up games in my mind. At Mississippi State home to Tennessee, at Vanderbilt, all fall into the toss-up category. The South Carolina on the road early on. These are all games going to determine whether or not Kentucky can take that step to the next level where they actually contend for the East, or do they stay in the level of bowl games, which is a refreshing change over what they had the previous few years. But uh, I think when you look at Kentucky this year, they're a team that that can potentially make that step, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Phil, and a couple of things, too. You know, uh, we know that uh, their in-state um, rival, although, of course, not in the same conference, the uh, the Louisville Cards, uh, that, that was an impressive win, the uh, the final game of the regular season last year for Mark Stoops. He, he wins there, a uh, high-scoring 41-38 win, and, of course, that propelled them into the bowl game where uh, they ran into a very, very tough Georgia Tech team. But, you know, Phil, you mentioned the guy to me, and it's someone that I, I wanted to somewhat introduce uh, the college football aficionado to, and uh, Benny Snell, that running back, I mean, as a freshman last year, Phil, I mean, averaged 5.9 a carry, 13 touchdowns, only started one football game, close to 1,100 yards. I'm going to really be watching this young man closely. I think he's going to be a breakout running back performer in seventeen.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, he plays like 150 miles per hour on every play. He can be that workhorse uh, back. And he's going to catch more passes this year. Last year they didn't utilize him as a receiver, but he is a guy that can receive it. And, uh, he's a physical runner and somebody that last year split the snaps with Stanley Boom Williams. Right. Uh, they're going to try to find another back to split the snaps a little bit, but Snell wants the ball. So I like that when you got a running back that wants the ball, uh, has the breakaway speed, can be a workhorse and, uh, I look for, I look for a big year out of him
0: yeah uh, me too. so we'll keep an eye on uh, Snell and the uh, the Kentucky offense and as Phil said, we'll see if the cats can get up into that uh that eight win area this year and Phil speaking of that uh, as we're going through uh, the SEC East uh, here on the show today, win totals as we're getting them uh from the uh the start point in Las Vegas. What do we have well, Kentucky right at seven are they not for an over under?
1: That's right. The South Point in Las Vegas has them a as South a, uh, point. At yes. seven. Yes. Well, they're seven.
0: stars, though. They're I say <laughs> stars. Okay. The stars at the South Point. them there at you 7 go. You're
1: right. <laughs> yeah, seven is the number on Kentucky, and that, you know that's pretty much where I would put it because I think when you look at the season, uh, they're, they're going to be an underdog to Georgia and Florida. Uh, Louisville, probably, they, they are currently in Vegas, an eight and a half point underdog in that game. Uh, South Carolina they'll probably be an underdog and toss-up games like Tennessee Vanderbilt and at Mississippi State. So I think seven's about the number you put at. And I think if you're, if you're wearing blue glasses, Michael, and you're a Kentucky fan, <laughs> yeah. you're thinking nine or 10 wins and you're Whoa. flying out to Vegas right now and you're thinking, yeah. I'm, I'm playing the over. And if you're a regular college football fan, you might be prone to take the under in that saying, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But Kentucky fans <laughs> are excited <laughs> about this edition this year. No doubt about
0: it. Yeah, they might have on those, uh, blue tinted glasses if they did go to the, the South Point to see all the stars there. I mean, yeah, you're right. A lot of them are probably uh, going on that uh, over total. As uh, we continue on here, having a lot of fun. Michael Reggeye, Phil Steele. This is our SEC East division preview. So as we go through the, uh, the SEC East, uh, after our stop uh, a moment ago in Lexington, Kentucky, Phil, we got to head west now and get into the situation uh, with the Missouri Tigers. And we look uh, to be honest. There are a couple of down years now for Mizzou. Gary Pinkle left after the five and seven 2015. Barry Odom took over. They go four and eight last year. Phil, I remember their defense was injured and beat up, and they were. They were kind of faulty too, to be honest with you. They gave up what thirty-one and a half points a game, and Phil. But the most intriguing part, as you always statistically break down, uh, they they were giving up uh, close to one hundred and eighty more yards per game than the opposition. Uh, can Odom get that turned around this year to get him back uh, toward the respectable side in in Missouri?
1: Yeah, and that's going to be really the key. Uh, you know, you look at my Missouri pages for last year, and I always circle players that are gone or out for the year or injured. Missouri's defense was just shredded with circles. I mean, there was so many players out. You look at that defensive front seven they had coming into last year. Coming into the year, you're thinking, boy, these guys could be pretty nasty. Then, boom, this player goes down, this one, this one, this one. They had six of their top seven of that front seven gone. A guy like Terry Beckner, Jr., who much was expected last year, uh, you know, he basically missed the season, and he's back this year. That's a big plus to have, uh, as well as some other key players. Now, when I look at Missouri's offense, you know, last year they put up some pretty good numbers. They averaged 31 points per game, 500 mm-hmm. yards per game. But yep. upon closer inspection, they did their business against the smaller guys. I mean, they put up 61 against Eastern Michigan, 79 against Delaware State. That's where Drew Locke and company were really flying. When they were in conference play... This team averaged just 23 points per game, so it was a big difference. And then what they're going to need to do offensively with their 10 starters back, and guys like Drew Locke, De- Demaria Crockett at running back, Jamon Moore – uh, Demetrius Mason and Jonathan Johnson, a receiver, they need to do their business against the SEC teams as opposed to getting all the stats against the non-conference and then just being an average bunch in SEC play. A little concern up front on the offensive line. They lose a couple of starters, but I think overall, Missouri will be better offensively in sec action now defensively only five starters back but they get back a guy like terry beckner jr and some other guys that were injured and they could only be healthier this year on the defensive side of the ball now they started out last year being a less aggressive defense they had For years, Coach Cool was there in a defensive line. They always had the hard-charging defense. They went to a different style defense in the first half of the year, and they were getting run over. Then the injuries hurt them in the second half of the year. But I think they started to play a little more aggressive style in the second half, and that's what they're going to do this year. Now, when you look at the schedule for Missouri coming into the year, the schedule says that this team can get back to being in a bowl. I mean, they were 4-8 last year, despite all those injuries that they had. Uh They're going to be an underdog when they host Auburn at Kentucky, at Georgia, home to Florida – Perhaps at Vanderbilt. That's a winnable game, though. And at Arkansas. So there's six games that will probably be an underdog this year. But they'll be favored against Missouri State. I think they'll be favored at home against South Carolina, against Purdue at home, Idaho at home, at Connecticut. And then the Tennessee game is pivotal. So a couple of pivotal games there. Vegas has done a good job. The boys over at South Point studied all that. They put the number at six, Michael. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. pretty much where you should put it for Missouri coming into the year. I think the two keys are. Can they stay healthy on defense and be more aggressive? And the second thing is, offensively, can they do some of that damage they did last year but do it against SEC foes as opposed to the non-conference?
0: No, sure. Uh, Completely understood. Phil, I look back, you know, and our good friend Gary Pinkle, I look back at the 13 and 14 seasons under Pinkle. I mean, they roll off a 12 and 2 and 13. They back that up with an 11 and 3 and 14. And you think, wow, this... Is moving into the SEC is agreeing with Missouri, but Phil, can do you think we can ever see Missouri again in that lofty status in the SEC? Do you foresee that? Because I don't know. I think that might be a, that might be a tough road to negotiate for them going forward.
1: Yeah, and the good thing Missouri had going for them both years was an extremely manageable schedule. They pulled two of the yeah. weaker teams out of the West each year. They had the, the games they wanted to have at home. Uh, you know, if they did play a tough foe, was on the road where you expect a loss. They got all the, the, the teams they wanted at home. There are two very good schedules. Can they get back to a 10-win season again? Sure they can, but not on a consistent basis. And I think both those seasons were a surprise to many. In fact, Missouri fans were very indignant after in 2015 <laughs> when right. their team wasn't picked at the top again. And they're like, hey, you did it the last two years, and, and we're going to do it again. So I think both seasons came out of the blue for Missouri. And I think they can have another one out of the blue sometime. Don't foresee it this year, uh, but, uh, I don't think it would happen on a regular basis.
0: We're going through the SEC East Division, did the SEC West yesterday. Make sure you, uh, if you missed it, make sure you go back to the archives and check it out as we're starting our previews uh, here in the second week of the month of July. And we're going to continue. We're only seven weeks away, seven weeks away from the start of this, uh, what should be exciting, absolutely thrill-a-minute ride in the 2017 college football season, strong as steel, Michael Regei, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Phil, let's keep going. Uh, Will Muschamp, another very intriguing name as far as the head coaching side, took over last year in Columbia, South Carolina, took his football team to a six and seven campaign, got to the Birmingham Bowl last year, and uh, South Florida kind of, and uh, I won't say put it on him, but beat him in a high-scoring affair in overtime, But for this South Carolina squad, we mentioned a must champ. I've always liked him, Phil. I I feel that every program he's been with, that we know been nothing but success during his coaching tenure. But, Phil, last year, just shy of 21 points per game, Uh, you know, offensively. I mean, that's not going to cut it. Do you see improvements on the offensive side of the football with sophomore Jake Bentley at the throttle at QB?
1: Yeah, massive improvements across the board for South Carolina. And I thought Muschamp did a great job last year. You look at this team coming into the year, Michael, and there were no expectations for South Carolina, and rightfully so. I mean, their, their quarterback, uh they didn't, re- they didn't really have a returning starting quarterback. They lost their top two receivers. Their leading returning receiver had 161 yards the previous year. Their leading returning running back had 200 yards the previous year, so they had no experience at quarterback, running back, receiver. They ended up going with a true Frosha quarterback, which was a brilliant move. Mm -hmm. Uh, Much debated was Will Muschamp at midseason taking the red shirt off a True Frost, Jake Bentley. Bentley should have been a senior in high school, remember? He came in, uh, and and as opposed to passing up just the the end of your senior year, he passed up his entire senior year. He should have been a senior in high school, and yet they took the red shirt off, and they were a completely different offense with him. Rico Dowdell, their running back last year, true freshman, took over the starting job second half of the year, put up 764 yards. One of their top receivers, Brian Edwards, get this, true freshman, put up a big season. And South Carolina's offense at the start of the year, uh, they averaged about 14 points per game the first six games. Their high mar- watermark was 20 against a weak East Carolina offense. Second half of the year, 34, 24, 31, 44. Much better, even 39 in the bowl game. As you mentioned, it was in overtime. But South Carolina's offense is going to be so much better this year. They're much more experienced, 10 returning starters there defensively. Last year, they only had six returning starters, and they lost Sky Moore prior to the year. He's one of their top linebackers in 215. Well, Moore's back. Six starters are back. Muschamp knows defense. I think they're stronger there. But another area where they're going to be much stronger in this year, which concerns me, is strength of schedule. In fact, in the magazine, I've got a section there which talks about the strength of schedule, and it says Mm -hmm. last year South Carolina took on one of the weaker schedules in the country, which is why they were able to cobble together that bowl bid despite all that inexperience. Well, this year they ranked number one in the country with increase in strength of schedule. They go from number 63 to number 7. Strength the schedule, a 56 move up on the schedule. They start off with NC State and Scar- Charlotte. I think NC State's a, an up and coming team. We'll talk about that on the ACC podcast. They have to play Missouri on the road, AM on the road, Tennessee on the road. Tennessee, by the way, is off a bye and playing with revenge. They play Georgia on the road. They have to play Clemson at home. There'll be an underdog there. They have to play Florida at home. You know how tall, how high I am on Florida. We talked about that yeah. earlier in the podcast. Uh, So this is a a schedule that goes from extremely manageable to extremely difficult, and that's why South Point actually has South Carolina's win total going from six to five this year. Five is the South Point win total, despite the fact South Carolina, as I just touched on, would be favored probably by 10 points over the team that began last year uh, in uh, uh, Columbia, South Carolina.
0: Yeah, and because, Phil, as I said, I'm a big admirer of Will Muschamp, I... uh... You know, I liked what he uh, he accomplished while he was at Florida. He certainly has that kind of pedigree. Five, huh? I'm going to go over that just because of uh, how much I like Muschamp. And as you said, how many young players he played as true freshmen that did a real nice job. So how about you? You like You like that over? Uh, I
1: do. I, I think when you look at South Carolina, I do have them get into a bowl game this year. If you go to the magazine and look at my bowl projections, which are in the front of the magazine, we got everything in the magazine, but in the front of the magazine, it projects bowls. I've got them playing in the Birmingham Bowl against Houston, so I'm going to say I like the over five in that one, but not much more. I think this year's South Carolina team, like I said, about 10 points better than the team that began last year, but... Uh, the schedule a lot tougher. And and I don't know if you're going to see this South Carolina team go from 6 to 8, but Muschamp did more than I expected last year. I would have expected about four wins last year. So he'll get more than I expect again this year.
0: Back-to-back to, back to the Birmingham Bowl, huh, for the Gamecocks?
1: Yeah, and I thought they played well against South Florida. South Florida, a lot tailing on the field. Uh, right. They got down early, but battled back, forced overtime, and uh, I thought they played extremely well.
0: Yeah, well, look, should be a fun team to watch this year the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And, you know, as Phil was mentioning, if you want to make sure that you've got uh, the edge each and every week, now we know you have your Phil Steele's 2017 college preview mag uh, with the very best and most concise information info anywhere, but we can, we can do better than that for you. We can get you to the point where you'll feel like you're uh, you're an insider, maybe to the level of, of Phil and myself. It's called Inside the Press Box, one of the uh, tremendous features at PhilSteel.com. Phil, take it away. Uh, let let all of our college football aficionados know exactly what they're going to get from you day-to-day, week-to-week when they subscribe to Inside the Press Box.
1: Well, you know, part of the reason that uh, Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine has got is the best magazine on the market is that nobody studies football like we do. I spent six full months on that. We've got three to four times the amount of information in the magazine. And if you're a magazine reader, like I know you are, uh, you know that firsthand. Well, same thing newsletter-wise. Uh, the uh, The Inside the Press Box newsletter just blows everybody else away because it's not just – oh, here's my opinion on the game, and here's a projected score. But it gives you my computer's projection on the game, gives you complete in-depth analysis on every single game. You can look up and find stuff yourself that I might not even touch on in the forecast section, but I do predict each and every game. We give you the, just like the magazine, I'll give you the same amount of information on Carolina against Troy State, that Coastal Carolina against Troy State, that I would on Alabama against Florida State. You get the complete breakdown, you get the analysis, and then, uh, you know, it's just a, a great tool during the year. Now, the inside the press box is $189 for the college, $189 for the pro. Your best bet's get them both. Just $289, covers everything about every game. And if you go to insidethepressbox.com and type in the promo code FOOTBALL, pretty easy code to type in, take 20 bucks off. So 20 bucks off college, 20 bucks off pro, or 20 bucks off overall. Uh, just head to InsideThePressBox.com, check out a free sample issue, see what's all included in Inside the Press Box, but it'll take you right through the football season each and every weekend, through every single game of the football season this year.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I, I want to add to Phil, because I, I think it, it's so tremendous when you are looking at matchups each and every week. Phil does a position-by-position position edge. Uh, as part of his exclusive team rankings. And Phil, too, I, another feature I really – you take the level of competition into account, right, when you're yeah. making a lot of assessments. I, and I, I think that's key because, quite frankly, I don't think most do, or of any do, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I've seen stats, especially once you get to be the, the fourth week of the season, Michael. Uh, yeah, That's where it probably turns out to be huge because some teams may come in averaging, you know, two, uh, look at Missouri last year, as we touched on. Right. Missouri came in averaging ridiculous numbers. off, and They were the number one offense in the SEC heading into the season, but you had to take into account who Missouri faced early on. And, you know, granted, Eastern Michigan was a bowl team last year, but not an overwhelming defense, 61 points there. Delaware State, 79 points against a lowly Delaware State team. So when they rolled into LSU, everybody's quoting, wow, Missouri's got a potent offense averaging 45, 50 points per game, and then it all turned south once they got into competition level. So you do definitely have to take into account the strength of opponent.
0: Yep. And Phil does that. Make sure the inside the press box newsletter. It's all a part of giving you that extra added concise and yet very insightful edge that you're going to need as you prepare. For your college football weekend, hey! Great to have all of you part of our Strongest Steel podcast. Thrill and I, Phil and I, thrilled to be back with our producer Jim Nabosna. We're we're doing the preview of uh, the Power Five and the Group of Five, so ten conferences, uh, right up until kickoff time in late August. And of course, we'll get the independents in there too. So uh, we've got it all mapped out for you. If you go to, um, uh, to philsteele.com or even on our Twitter handles, uh, at philsteel uh, 42 at Michael Regei, you will see the breakdown. Uh, for example, now tomorrow we'll be uh, doing uh, the Big Ten, and we'll go Big Ten East tomorrow and then Big Ten West on uh, Thursday. And after the Big Ten, we go to the ACC. And So this is how we're going to do it throughout July and on into August. And have you right up to speed and have you ready to go full speed into the start of what's going to be an amazing 2017 college football season. Speaking of amazing, let's uh, continue to roll on here, filling in the SEC East. I would say that um, for the last couple of years, one of the programs that have uh, been so intriguing and compelling uh around the nation for uh, all college football fans is Butch Jones and his Tennessee volunteers. Now they go nine and four last year. Phil, we know we've we've already mentioned uh Appalachian State a couple of times and that opener that Tennessee managed to win last year really I think uh took well Phil they start out six and oh right they use that as a springboard. They start out six and oh how high were they ranked? How high did they get up to when they were six and oh
1: yeah, they started off 5-0 and and were ranked number nine in the uh, country, which is where they started. Uh, they actually weren't rising in the polls a lot because they were barely surviving each week. They were making big comebacks. Uh, they were dominated in the first half against Florida, made the comeback. They had the hell Mary yeah. against Georgia. The App State game, they, they rallied to win. Even Virginia Tech greatly outplayed them in the first quarter and a half of that game. Then they rallied to come back and win. But I, I think the thing that took its toll on Tennessee last year, Michael, was playing four ranked teams in back-to-back-to-back weeks. It started with mm-hmm. Florida, which was a massive game for Tennessee because they had this huge losing streak to Florida. They needed to end it. They put in a lot of emotion, a lot of energy into that home game, made the big comeback in the second half and won. Then they went into Georgia the very next week. Now, I thought they outplayed Georgia during most of the game, but Georgia got a Hail Mary pass with like 18 seconds to go and stunningly took the lead. Then Joshua Dobbs throws a Hail Mary pass, and they pull out the 34-31 win. Then they traveled to a Now the defense is banged up. They started to take some attrition on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, they were down about four or five starters for that game against AM, and and it showed. They got down early but rallied, force overtime, and in overtime could easily have won it but ended up losing it by seven, and that ended their unbeaten season. And then they ran into some team, uh, Alabama. Yeah, what, yeah. you want, what you don't <laughs> want to do is be running on low fumes when you head into Alabama and be injury-plagued because Alabama just trounced them 49-10. to And then South Carolina upset them the very next week. Once again, defense banged up coming off that that low energy level. And they did rally, win a couple of games, but they got stunned by Vanderbilt. The game they led by double digits in the second half uh, and then finally, when they got a little bit healthier for the bowl game, they they pretty much controlled Nebraska and finished the season 9-4. and four. But overall, Tennessee fans were expecting SEC East. The SEC East was winnable last year. I mean, Florida won the conference with two losses. Everybody else had four losses. So a very winnable conference, but they ended up not winning it last year. So yeah. Butch Jones probably on the hot seat this year. Now you think so? I do. Yeah,
0: I was just going to ask you about Butch. I mean, we've both known him a long time. I called a lot of his uh, his games when he was a head coach and did a fine job at Central Michigan. But Phil, this is year five now, right, Uh, in Knoxville, and it it sounds like that uh, there's some uh, uneasiness and restlessness there. Would that be Would that be on target?
1: When I look at Tennessee last year was an experienced team that had a lot of seniors a lot of juniors they did suffer through the injuries this year maybe an under the radar team because they've got 14 returning starters 7 on offense 7 on D we'll see what happens at at running or at quarterback Running back-wise, uh, John Kelly is back. He led the running backs in rushing last year. So as much as you lose a Kamara, who's one of the top running backs for the NFL draft, John Kelly actually led the running backs in running. They've got some talent up front on the offensive line. Defensively, some key players to part, like Derek Barnett and uh, Cody Vereen. But overall, they've got some talent there. Uh, schedule's going to be interesting. I think is Tennessee a contender in the East. That's what all Tennessee fans want. They're going to have to go into the swamp and win on September the 16th. They host Georgia, which is big, but they they are the only team in the East and this which makes it tough that draw both Alabama and LSU out of the West. So that's a yeah. nasty schedule. Not they good have to, for them. Right. They have to play, uh, as mentioned, Florida on the road in the swamp. They open up against Georgia Tech in a, on a Monday night game, you know, which leaves a short week against Indiana State. But I think pulling Alabama and LSU, playing Florida in the swamp, is going to make it tough for them to win the SEC's this year, but I think they're going to have to be up there at the top at the end of the year. Now, when I look at their schedule, Michael, I think this is a talented team overall, and provided they get good quarterback play, which I think they can, the only two games I have my pure underdog in are at Alabama and at Florida. I've got the LSU game rated to a toss-up because it's at home. Missouri's not going to be easy. That one's on the road. Uh, Kentucky's not going to be easy. That's on the road. And Georgia at home. Those are all toss-up games in my level. And that's probably part of the reason that the South Point has this team at 7.5 wins mm-hmm. this year. And there's a lot of folks out there that want to play against Tennessee because Tennessee disappointed so many folks last year. They want to continue to go against them. And think that's why they, they put the number at seven and a
0: half well you mentioned Joshua Dobbs and for me you know and and Joshua Dobbs was on a roller coaster ride the last yes. couple of years with Butch Jones but I mean you know not uh, I think what uh right now we're looking at uh Quentin uh, Dormady Jr. who played I, I think he played gotten seven games as a true four more last year and we'll see if you know I mean is he going to be able to uh, keep Butch Jones' offense at a level that uh, that he wants it and needs it to be to make any strides in the SEC? You know, Dobbs
1: was, uh, Dobbs was a dangerous runner. I mean, he led the team in rushing last year. Uh, passing, he could get the big plays, no doubt about it. Consistent yeah. passing. I uh, no. didn't see it on a week-to-week basis. So, you know, Dormandy is a guy who's a, a 6'4", 216. He makes good decisions. He's confident, accurate. He's got a big arm. And he's battling a, a redshirt freshman, and Jared uh, Guarantano, who uh, he, he was the guy that was labeled the quarterback of the future. And he battled uh, Dormandy all spring long. I think they've got two quarterbacks. that have the size. Both are 6'4". Uh, both have the arm strength. Both are probably better, going to be in the long run, better passing quarterbacks because that's what they come from. Uh, and I think both QBs, uh, give them the potential there, uh, to, uh, put up pretty decent quarterback play despite the fact they lose a guy like Joshua Mm -hmm. Dobbs. So overall, my assessment, Michael, if I'm looking at that seven and a half, I'm going to go over the total because i I think Tennessee, under the radar stays healthier and without everybody putting the pressure on them I mean they only lose fifteen lettermen from last year. I think Tennessee goes over that seven total seven-and-a-half a half total seven a half
0: point I'm with you I'm with you probably because uh, again i'm a I'm a big butch Jones aficionado, but I you know that 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 cocktail party uh, on September sixteenth that it's always early. I think that's a vital one for it, Phil. I, I know they got the monkey off their backs last year, but boy, for Butch Jones' perspective, it sure would be nice if they could go back-to-back with a win over Florida, wouldn't it?
1: It would be. Uh, for magazine purposes, I do expect Florida in that game. But yeah. uh, the only the only true two true games that I think I've got Tennessee, uh, the underdog in, are at Florida and Alabama. So despite the fact they draw LSU and Bama, I think uh, Tennessee's going to be an under-the-radar team.
0: All right, seven and a half from uh, our good friends at uh, at the South Point in Vegas. And Phil and I are both going to go over for the Tennessee Volunteers there. Our SEC East Division show rolling on here on Strong is Still Field. That uh, takes us one more stop. And uh, that is with, of course, head coach Derek Mason and his Commodores of Vanderbilt. Now, now Phil, this is a football team, as we know, this is year four for Coach Mason. Uh, three wins, four wins, six wins, right? First three seasons. So it's trending in the right direction for Derek Mason. And, of course, uh, will a lot of that depend on and do you see uh, the son of former Cleveland Browns head coach Pat Shermer, Kyle Shermer, hanging on to his starting quarterback role and uh, kind of improving on what he did a year ago?
1: Yeah, I think he will. And you look at Vanderbilt, and the first year Derek Mason came in talking SEC title, and I was like, "Is this guy out of his mind?" They don't have the talent to <laughs> contend like for the SEC, and they went three and nine, and their defense gave up uh you know four hundred and two yards per game, thirty three point three points per game, and they were just non competitive in a lot of games. Now. The second year Derek Mason said, Hey, I'm done playing around with defense. you know Derek Mason, he's a good defensive oh, coordinator. Yeah. Very good defensive coordinator. For so sure. he took over the defensive coordinator duties himself that second year. The improvement was remarkable. They went from allowing thirty three points per game down to twenty one points per game. And all of a sudden they were competitive in most games. They finished four and eight made some improvement, and then last year got to that bowl game. And that's huge, Michael, because when you get to a bowl game, you get the benefit of bowl practices, which is big for developing players for the future. So generally what you do is you take a team that's – Bowl last year has 16 returning starters like Vanderbilt has this year, and you would think that improvement will continue. Now, Kyle Sherman, I think Curtis Shermer is going to do a good job at the QB spot. I've seen improvement in his game. He only had 9-10 ratio last year, yeah. but he gets better each and every year. They've got Ralph Webb at running back, one of the more underrated running backs in the SEC. He plays at Vanderbilt, so nobody talks about him. But this guy can take the team on his shoulders. They also have C.J. Duncan, dynamic playmaker in the slot receiver position. He's a good kick returner, pump returner, and he can also uh, do it on the field. So he's an explosive player. Uh, offensive line has got three starters back this year, so they should be in pretty good shape. And uh, uh, so I, I think the offensive line's stronger. Defensively, my biggest question mark is who's going to replace Zach Cunningham because Zach Cunningham mm-hmm. is a guy that, you know, one of the few guys in the SEC who is one of the better linebackers. He could have played for a lot of the SEC uh, schools, and now he is gone and his hundred and twenty five tackles, ten and a half TFL are gone, but you know they 've got talent on the the defensive side, seven returning starters, and Mason is still calling the shots over there. The question mark for me once again goes back to like South carolina is the schedule Vanderbilt takes a large step up in terms of schedule. They now take on the number fifteen schedule in the country. You look at their non conference slate Kansas State I think Kansas state's going to be a dark horse contender in the big twelve this year they play middle Tennessee on the road
0: not and easy. They, play,
1: they play western Kentucky at home and while you would quickly dismiss if you're an SEC fan you think they're just a couple of CUSA teams right well last yeah. year when they played yeah. middle Tennessee and western they won both games but middle Tennessee outgained about 151 yards per 151 yards in their game and western Kentucky outgained them by 107 yards in their game so those are two games they were out gained on the field but but ended up winning them Can they win those games this year? Then they also play Alabama out of the West. They haven't drawn Alabama for quite some time. They have to play games like Florida, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, all on the road this year. They take on improving teams like Kentucky and Missouri at home. It'll be interesting to see if Vanderbilt can continue their progression. Now Vegas expects they will uh, continue to improve despite the tougher schedule. They've put the win total at six for Vanderbilt this year, so they're expecting them to get back to a bowl game.
0: They are and uh, might be a uh, a tough road to deal with uh, to get to that six win mark again this year as uh, they did a season ago. And as Phil said, got to the Independence Bowl where uh, they, they had it laid on them by NC State pretty well. So that's a story with uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores of Derek Mason and uh, Phil that. That uh, puts a wrap on uh, not only the, uh, the SEC East, but also our look over the last couple of days at uh, the Southeastern Conference. Overall, again, other than Alabama, do you believe that uh, should something possibly unforeseen happen, is there any other program, Phil, that you see in 2017 that uh, could make the kind of impact to have them be in the running for one of those four college football playoff spots uh, come uh, uh, the early uh, part of December? Yeah,
1: I think uh, you have to look at Auburn's chances in the West if they were to upset Alabama. They would have that chance. And uh, if you, uh, what, what I'll tell the listeners is uh, go to my number one surprise team in the magazine. Mm-hmm. That's always a team that's not in the top ten that I think has a chance at making the playoffs and or contending for a title. And my number one surprise team happens to reside in the SEC East this year.
0: Yep, that is a fact. All right, so uh, Phil says, uh, yeah, that's a possibility. That may be uh, I think we all expect Alabama. I'm to, going, uh, be... Take it, Bama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh it's kind of uh it, it kind of really puts you out on a ledge if you don't and you're wishing and hoping for a prayer but uh yeah dick saban squad still seems to be the uh, the team that everybody's got to come and get when you discuss the sec so there you have it all seven squads from uh, the sec east as we preview them for you here on strongest steel now remember That was in alphabetical order, not our predicted order of finish, but we want you to be up to speed with uh, everything insightfully that you need to get you set for the SEC this college football season. So we've completed our SEC West and SEC East look here on Strong as Steel. Now, coming up tomorrow, all you Big Ten fans, get ready we'll start with the conference and many believe uh, might even supersede the sec for strength of team performance this year who knows the big 10 east Comes up tomorrow with maybe even three squads that are thinking legitimately about college football playoffs and the national championship. That's when we convene tomorrow right here on Strongest Steel. We'll go through the Big Ten and start with the Big Ten East. Now for Phil Steele and our producer Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Reg. I hope you enjoyed everybody. Check us out tomorrow, Big Ten Preview, on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. That's when we get together next. I'm strong as steel. Till then, so long, everyone.